pray that Galveston doesn't become paradise lost. <laughs> however, however, if there is widespread flooding, Hera Reed's superhuman ability to swallow massive amounts of noxious fluids, be it Jägermeister or Fred Durst DNA, could prove an asset. Call the Army Corps of Engineers. <laughs> but literally. Yes, all of them. Yes. <laughs> literally phoning it in from Dallas, Texas. I'm Gavin, uh, back in Lawrence in the uh, Kansas Bureau we have. Galen. And back here in Texas, uh, E's new Wild On Hurricanes correspondent we have. In it. There's only been, I think they said, three in recorded history to hit the mainland of the U.S. Yeah. And, uh, of course, <laughs> the last time a major hurricane hit Galveston, it killed upwards of 8,000 people. This was back in the early 1900s. Uh, hopefully we won't have a repeat of that. Galveston has more rich people. And uh, specifically, more rich white people. Yes, uh, but even that aside, um, there's just not as many... Uh, well, the, the town is, is not built below sea level on the coast. Yeah. So it won't have that the whole the same situation with flooding and things. But I'm sure that Bush is going to look at it as a way to make up for whatever else, which he will fail, but he at least will be able to turn the spotlight away from Louisiana. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah, I think, uh, I, uh, miraculously, uh, last week and uh, the weeks preceding after Katrina, uh, and the days following after Katrina, uh, of course, you heard all sorts of talk from uh, the federal level. Oh, well, the states refused help, and uh, 
you know, there's a, uh, this obscure uh, law provision called the uh, Posse Comitatus, which prevents... Uh, yeah, I know, it does. <laughs> I believe Tara Reid and Carson Daly actually uh, participated in a little bit of that, but uh, the federal government was throwing around the term, oh, well, we're not supposed to intervene in these sorts of state issues unless they declare a state of emergency. Although now, all of a sudden, the red tape seems to have uh, evaporated, and uh, there are already Navy uh, ships heading towards the region in preparation. So, uh, again, either the federal government has learned its lesson, or they just care more about rich white people. It's hard to tell which. Well, and, and I think that it's, I mean, the, the problems in Louisiana, yeah, everyone screwed up on all levels. Yeah. Uh, but Bush's failure to admit that he had anything to do with it, uh, possibly by um, putting a man who had no experience into the head of FEMA, which is, you know, it was good also considering all we talk about is how there might be emergencies of some sort here in the U.S., and then it turns out the guy is a former horse breeder uh, official and spent a year trying to find out if one of the horses he was watching over had had liposuction. And that, here's the thing. He wasn't, he wasn't even skilled enough to breed horses. He was the lawyer for the horse right, breeders. Right, exactly. And, I mean, that <laughs> if any of us needed proof that Bush just hired cronies, yeah. there is no reason for this man to have had that job. Yeah. And, of course, uh, after Brown's token resignation, uh, uh, resignation from uh, the FEMA chairmanship, it has now become apparent that the entire upper echelon of FEMA management is staffed with cronies with absolutely zero disaster management background. Well, I love that he comes out and he's like, well, the guy we're putting in charge now is a former fireman. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's closer. That's, However, firemen and lead executive for FEMA are extremely different. He just wants the hero, I think, is what he's looking for. Wet things down with hoses, which I think is not what they need right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if nothing else, they can uh, make some hunky fireman calendars <laughs> to sell to raise funds for hurricane victims. Old Brownie was not so hunky on the fireman poster. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> photos of him naked with a hose wrapped around his midsection. It was uh, less than flattering. So it was it was a disaster all its own. I just, I just, you know, some part of me growing up in the 90s, uh, it weeps. I mean, I remember when FEMA was powerful enough to be a bad guy in the X-Files. That's right. I, I was saying the exact same thing. And boy, are we old for bringing this up. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, that was like the big boogeyman in like the, was it the X-Files movie? Yeah, the X-Files movie. They're in a state of emergency and become a de facto shadow government. No, it can't. They well, can't even breed Arabian horses. <laughs> I, I like to think it could have, but not anymore. Yeah, I know. Now we actually wish long for those days of totalitarian FEMA regime. That's right. Because at least then, you know, the, the food drops would run on time. Right, back when FEMA could convince future stars of Lost to blow themselves up. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to explain that reference. Cause I no, think I, I the, the guy who plays Locke in Lost uh, protects... FEMA by blowing himself up at the beginning of the X-Files movie. Wow. I've forgotten all about that. Terry O'Quinn, I believe. That's, that's him, yeah. It's a man. Uh, which, which was far better in the uh, sadly canceled show Millennium. Oh, you know what? Oh, no, here's, here's a little bit of Terry O'Quinn nostalgia. Terry O'Quinn will always 
Asher film, great movie. Oh. <laughs> that bothered. Uh, yeah, but he cut off that goofy mustache he's had for his entire career. It's so sad. He also played Howard Hughes in the Rocketeer movie. Did he really? Yeah, oh, I'll have to go like back. He played like the uh, clean-shaven, patriotic Howard Hughes that wasn't keeping his urine in jars. No, I, I'll have to rent that and, like, gouge my eyes out. But, yeah, I'd forgotten that entirely. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. So, yeah, disasters. Well, because there were places that it was electrocuting the water nearby it and the people standing in it. Our, uh, I, I don't think anyone got hurt, but that was the danger. But they needed to turn it on for Bush. took a hurricane for everyone to realize what a jackass he is. Why didn't it happen last year? Hell, 2001. Why was our hurricane season so pansy-ass last year? No, I mean, in 2001, everyone, like, somehow failed to notice, maybe because he was so quick to blame, you know, dark-skinned people, that he had completely dropped the ball on, you know, September 11th. But now when it's God who does it, people sit up and take notice. That's right. And smoke them out of their heaven. I'm just waiting for Bush to reinvent himself as Job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got this hangnail. Man, I would love to see that guy covered in boils. It's sitting in sackcloth naked. Uh, sitting in ash, I guess, wearing sackcloth, except naked. And just, you know, why would you do this to me? Well, it just reminds me of after, after September 11th, where I brought this up before, where he actually released a press statement uh, to the effect of, uh, President Bush is okay too, because we really cared at that point. Yes, yes, uh, he's getting on with his life. He's working hard. Yes, it's hard. It's hard work. It's a difficult job. I needed a five-week vacation. They, they, people, people want their president to be able to make crisp decisions. <laughs> well, I have to, as as people may not have gotten here last week. Uh, on on what you know the four people who listen to this and it, it may not have worked, he has bypassed the all-time record for vacation days taken in a presidency set by Ronald Reagan in eight years, and he's set it. He's bypassed it in only six years. Although I think that record is under review, uh, I, I believe we'll have to put an asterisk next to that in the record books because uh, allegations of juicing have uh, surfaced. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that, what they mean by juicing is that Bush was passed out. Yeah. <laughs> Frequent catnip. That's right.
Yeah, go to the website and see proof that Michael Medved, conservative film critic, is out of his fucking mind. I mean, he usually is. You can find that in any of his reviews. But in this particular one where he takes a... I guess uh, it took me moving to Texas in this climate, but I had no idea that he had his own, like, daily radio show. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that guy... I don't hate it. Yeah, true. There are billboards down here advertising, tune in to conservative talk radio, 665 AM, 666, right of the dial. And, like, it, uh, the quote on the billboard is, liberals hate it. <laughs> uh, and... Which are these liberals that are out there hating it? Yeah, all two of us. <laughs> yeah, the two of you in Texas. Proper is one of the most liberal cities in the United States. Right. Uh, no, seriously, honestly, yeah. I know, I believe it. I, and, and uh, no, I mean, there's, there's Austin and things like that. It's very, I just love the liberal conservative dynamic. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like saying, I can think for myself, and conservatives hate that. <laughs> it has nothing to do with politics. It's just... Other than their political affiliation. That's right. Can we hate people for what they do rather than uh, which party they belong to? Exactly. Let's hate them for personal reasons. Yes, there there are much more profound, in-depth reasons to hate people rather than these labels that we toss around. (laughs) Idiots, regardless of uh, ideological stripes. Absolutely. Uh, Where did we go? Um... Oh, Michael Medved. Yeah, he, uh, so for those of you who may not have heard, he's taking March of the Penguins, the movie about penguins, and saying it supports intelligent design and it's about family values and it is, in fact, anti-abortion. So go watch the movie and try and figure out what the fuck he is smoking to come up with these things. That's right. Uh, and the fact that their knees are halfway up their body and they can't lift their foot that high. Uh, nothing to do with it. Where, where exactly on the fins would you crucify penguin Jesus? Where, where the best tension spot for that would be? Yeah, I don't know. You can't do it through the palm of the hand like you, uh, on people because it rips out, right? And it turns out it was probably through the wrist. Yeah. Uh, so, but I don't know. I don't know about penguins. Cause, do penguins have wrists? Well, their wrists are like right up by their armpits because the fin is their fingers all webbed together. That's just an adorable picture. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as adorable as the friend of ours who one day behind the bourgeois pig and, uh, on Easter specifically. Yeah, it wasn't just a, any day. It was on Easter. A friend of ours behind the bourgeois pig in Lawrence. It's a coffee shop for those who don't live in Lawrence. Uh, one day behind this coffee shop one day being Easter again. On Easter, a friend of ours found a rabbit crucified to a few planks of wood. Oh, dear. <laughs> he found it? Yeah, he found it. He, found he didn't do it himself. I didn't say if he bound it. Die. Well, there are sick, sick people out there. There are. And if it wasn't so disturbing and cruel, it would be uh, almost a funny visual gag. Uh, probably already did. Yeah. So. <laughs> you can't kill a rabbit without people hearing it. <laughs> they do scream. They do, actually, yeah. People realize rabbits scream. They sound like stepping on small children. It's true. But back! <laughs> President Bush's plummeting poll numbers. Yes. Um, being crucified, much like rabbits. Yeah, he 
um, his facade as a determined leader in the face of crisis has crumbled. Like it ever actually existed in the first place. Uh, Rove was able to stagecraft it to the point where about 51% of Americans believed it. Uh, yep. Now, only about Oh, 32% of Americans believe it. <laughs> yeah, but those 51% really weren't paying attention and were probably wealthy, yeah. the, the way the poll numbers go, especially Gallup tends to tilt towards the wealthy. Yeah. And the poor don't have phones, which is another interesting part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's another little tidbit uh, about the mismanagement after Katrina. It was very inspiring and heartwarming. There's a, a great international outpouring of support from our allies, even though our relationships are strained because of our foreign policy under Bush. People were able, international communities were able to put that aside, come together in the name of the American people, for the sake of the American people, and contribute what they could. Uh, the British military contributed hundreds of thousands of MREs that the, their troops in Iraq were eating, uh, several tons of them, uh, were shipped to New Orleans. However, because of FEMA bureaucracy, these several tons of food, which are desperately needed, <laughs> are now sitting in a warehouse in Arkansas waiting to be incinerated because they don't meet FDA beef standards. Take that, soldiers in Iraq. <laughs> Once again, proving the nation loves you. By the way, when you come back with post-traumatic stress disorder and possibly uh, scarred, you will immediately be ignored. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the lessons of Vietnam, sh Vietnam show that you will have no help, no one will care, and you will get very little pay. Yeah, and uh, on this nexus of Hurricane Katrina and upcoming Hurricane Rita and Iraq, uh, potentially another casualty of Katrina will be Bush's Iraq policy, because uh, I believe Gallup did a recent poll, and a majority of Americans now favor taking funding away from Iraq and diverting that to rebuilding the Gulf Coast. Uh, of course, Republican leadership and uh, the Bush administration start to refuse, so what are the other options for funding this? Uh, not even rolling back Bush's tax cuts, but freezing them, not making them permanent. No, that's completely off the table. Uh, okay, how about cutting pork spending? That was in the recent highway omnibus funding bill. Uh-uh, absolutely not. Right, you can't get rid of that. Uh, uh, the most famous example of the pork spending, Representative Don Young of Alaska had set aside $233 million dollars which could build temporary housing for every refugee in New Orleans, um, has refused to give back a penny of the $233 million that he has set aside to build a bridge in Alaska that leads to nowhere. Isn't everywhere nowhere in Alaska? Yeah, basically. Yes, there's this bridge being built that, uh, by the way, will be called the Don Young Bridge. <laughs> that is solely there for residents of a remote island, uh, 50 of which um, to drive to the mainland. <laughs> $233 million. Uh, Very nice. Yes. Could you buy them a plane? They already have planes. <laughs> no, he'd like them to have SUVs <laughs> so that there will be greater and increased demand for oil so that
that they can drill in Anwar in his backyard. Uh, but, yes. So, if you refuse to divert funding away from Iraq, you refuse to roll back the tax cuts for the wealthiest 1% of Americans in this country, you refuse to scale back the pork belly spending on pet projects, another of which is a rainforest being built in Illinois. <laughs> in a thermos. Yes. So if you refuse to reallocate all of these uh, boondoggles into something that we actually need here at home, uh, what does that leave? Cutting funding for even more federal programs that are already cut to the bone. Uh, oh, great one that I've heard in a proposal from the Cato Institute. Cut funding for the Army Corps of Engineers. Very nice. People that we need to shore up the levees and build the dams that prevent future flooding, let's cut their funding once again. Because all the stupid senators are far too attached to their pet projects yeah. uh, and, and giveaways uh, that, that they, you know, they wouldn't want to risk their own election on people's lives. Yeah. I'll screw the people, man. Yeah, exactly. I want to print my name on it. <laughs> uh and then, oh, so what is it, $200 billion that's being pledged towards helping to rebuild Louisiana, yeah. uh, in New Orleans? Yeah, and we're... we're with with is, nowhere for it to come from. What is the deficit up to now, about a trillion? Uh, something more than that, actually. But yeah, so it will actually... It's like, it's say you had no money and all your credit cards maxed out, and you suddenly decided to spend $200,000 on something, so you just wrote a check. Yeah. It's going to work about that well. That's right, that's right. Now look where it got us. Fox News and some radio and things like that have, have implied that uh, Kathleen Blanco refused the president's pleas to declare a state of emergency before a hurricane. Uh, that, that It's been echoed around and stuff, trying to put the blame on her yeah. when she declared it before. Before the, the hurricane even landed. Right, and so it's an unbelievable lie yeah. that is just being circulated. Well, obviously not unbelievable. A lot of people are like, yeah, the Bush presidency wouldn't do anything wrong. <laughs> or, or uh, the sort of Bush, uh, Bush, of course, uh, took responsibility for it. That's right. I'll elaborate on what he's taking responsibility for, or he will not elaborate on what exactly went wrong or broke down in the federal response. Or that mistakes were made. 
I just the one thing I don't know the, the the bright spots are in some ways from the Katarina thing is that a lot of the you know everyone's complaining about you know you hear a lot of people like well you know they say Bush is prejudiced you know blah 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 well he is I mean he is the man who asked the president of Brazil oh you have black people here too <laughs> Golly, Let, let's not forget that. <laughs> But but all, even the AP, the Associated Press, uh, it had two pictures on uh, two different days. Uh, one is of a uh, uh, well, probably a black kid walking through the water, pulling some stuff behind him, and it says a young man <clears throat> walks through chest deep floodwaters after looting a grocery store. Yep. Then you that, have the photo right next to it with a white couple. That white couple, chest deep, pulling stuff, and it, it says. Two residents wade through chest deep water after finding bread and soda from a local grocery store. Now, part of that, you're like, yeah, I mean, that's obviously discriminatory and everything. But I like the fact that the word finding doesn't even fit in the sentence. Yeah. Finding bread and soda from a local grocery store. They obviously replaced the word looting or some other similar word with the word finding. Are there any good synonyms for looting that don't sound quite as harsh? That's right. <laughs> the five finger discount. Yeah. The whimsically plain Jane's addiction has been caught stealing in the That's background. right. Exactly. We're rescuing that food <laughs> from black people. <laughs> <laughs> we just would have eaten it. Free Winona Rider. That's right. Uh. Also, also of, of fun is, is the Bush's little comment about how no one knew this could have happened. Uh, even though um, Nas- <laughs> National Geographic, the little-known magazine, before the hurricane struck, right, right, National Geographic uh, predicted that something like this could happen in October of two thousand four. Yes, it is the, the a year ago. Own oceanographic uh, meteorologist sent out a bulletin, like basically screaming from the hills, like Cassandra. He sent out this like emergency BlackBerry to everybody at Capitol Hill. He could say that thousands. Yeah. Could be a huge catastrophe, and of course, was not heated. You have this Homerian tragedy that results, and oh, hey, nobody told me that this could happen. Right. Scientific American also published an article about how it could happen in October of 2001. So, yeah, we've all seen it coming. If you're too stupid to, on vacation to actually know it, that's not any reason to pretend like it took you by surprise. Perfect. <laughs> you did not know it was burned. Yeah. No, they're lying. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I was I was being far too charitable. Of course they knew, just like Condoleezza Rice knew that they were planning on using planes as missiles. Her famous comment, of course, no one could have predicted that they would use planes in such a way. Of course, the CIA had several memos and dossiers and saying Tom, exactly that. Yeah. Tom Clancy wrote like yeah. eight bad books about that yeah. or something. I don't know. She had shoes to buy. Who was seeing spam a lot. She had to, she had to as president of uh, Chevron, uh, support a dictatorship and massacre peasants. She was busy. Yes, and I believe it wasn't it Chevron who named one of their oil tankers the SS Condoleezza, right? Absolutely. That was 
with Chevron. jobs are in a lot of cases as far as you know many of them are concerned it's to sit around and say this about someone else and then uh expectations. <laughs> Hurricane. 
the president to try and uh, shake him out of inactivity and uh, relate to him the, uh, the depth, the seriousness of uh, which uh, this had affected the Gulf Coast. And um, again, I think that's a great moment and a very telling moment about how there's just a breakdown throughout the, the government response, but especially in the upper echelons of the federal government, the Bush administration. Bush was so out of touch and uh, so negligent and basically he didn't care to the point where his own chief of staff had to make a montage of cable news networks to uh, uh, break through the yes men and the sycophants and the cronies that Bush had surrounded himself with to shock him into action. But you, you just can't help but see Bush sitting there looking at the TV going, but how'd all, those water, how'd all that water and those people get in this box? True. Trey Parker and Matt Stone <laughs> that you need a montage. You need a montage. That's right. The music gets quiet at the end of a montage. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, I mean, it would be funny. It's like a moment out of Wag the Dog. Yeah, yeah. It's funny if it wasn't true. <laughs> they had to resort burning Anderson Cooper and Shepard Smith into a montage. <laughs> and of course, Bush's response to all this, boy, they have black people down there too? It's, it's you know, once again, I, I think it's, it may be a defensive strategy, at least on, on some level, like Carl Rove or someone smart enough to understand these things, but they've created a, a harmful and cancerous administration that has put itself beyond satire. Yeah. So it's harder to attack because there's nothing stupider you can think up to make fun of it for than what it's already done. It, uh, it's, it's absurdity <laughs> in the frightening sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it, although, again, the poll numbers are reflecting that it, it's just not funny anymore. <laughs> like, you know... Yeah, oh, oh, Dan Leno did another joke about how the president can't read. Oh, he's an average Joe. I think people are now realizing they don't want the average Joe in response of the federal government when its people are in need. We hope. We hope they're realizing this. Uh, and I think Carl Rove's already abandoning Bush. I think, I think Carl Rove's decided that, eh, uh, either he's going to get impeached or I'm going to jail pretty soon, so that's it. And he's like, he's now starting to groom uh, Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney uh, for a presidential run in uh, 2008. Yeah. There's just some names I have trouble thinking of the word President Romney. Yeah, President Mitt, first <laughs> of all. That's right. Second of all, how fucked up is it that Massachusetts, you know, apparently the sodomite safe haven. Massachusetts has a Republican governor. Well, no, it's, it just goes to show you that all those stupid ideas... I mean, the, for one thing, you've got a lot of so-called liberals. And by the way, one of the reasons I hate the term is the number of people who actually call themselves these things. And any, you know, so many of the uh, so-called liberals up there are actually an insult to the word who really don't care about things, are just as wealthy. They just have this sort of... Their fashion sense is to pretend to care about the poor. Uh, it's like those guys who go to fish concerts, right? Uh, just so they can score with the 
chicks. Right, it, it's, exactly. <laughs> it's, I, I just remember the moment from Bowling for Columbine where they've got the uh, producer of Cops. And he's like, well, if you look up liberal in the dictionary, there'll be a picture of me. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I hate the term. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, they're meaningless labels, but hey, we're pundits. That's, that's what we right. Do. That's right. Hate the other. I don't care who the other is. Find one and hate them. We need a name for them. <laughs> that's right. We can't just call them them. That's been taken by horror movies and giant ants. Get Arabs or uh, people from Boston. We don't care. That's right. Come up with a tag, something catchy. <laughs> Bostonians. <laughs> Bean counters. Bostonians has that whole like Eastern Europe sound. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I'm sure that after Rita hits over the weekend, we will of course be talking about the hurricanes and all that that entails. The political ramifications of such. Uh, but speaking of Caucasians, that's a good segue into John Roberts. That's right, because there's a rarely a whiter man. Guy's so white, he's almost transparent. <laughs> uh, and transparent's actually uh, not a very good term for him. Uh, opaque. Slimy. Perky, inky. Nobody has any freaking idea what this guy stands for or what his opinions are. And he won't tell anyone, which is the number one proof that it's not anything you agree with. Yeah. I mean, if he's uh, too shy or embarrassed or whatever, or politically savvy, to not answer more questions than anyone else who has ever tried to be a Supreme Court justice, there, he's, there's something bad going on in the background. Yeah. And I love the dodge that they use. Well, it's just, uh, it's not wise. Right. Well, that's Rule why. Anything. <laughs> well, and and that's why you're being asked. It's not. They're not asking you because they want to know what you want for dinner. They're asking you because you're going to be a justice, and they want to know how you'll rule. And I, but that's all right because the Democrats have no spine and rolled over anyway. Oh yeah, it's uh, it is now official. There's not even going to be like a token vote of dissent. I use it's going to pass regardless. There's never. There's never going to be a filibuster mounted. And, uh, right, because somehow uh, ideological issues are not reason enough for a filibuster. Uh, um, you stupid assholes. Yeah. Uh, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Patrick Leahy of Vermont, while expressing incredulity at Roberts' lack of cooperation, has decided to go ahead and vote for him. Um, there will be maybe about 30 Democrats voting against him. If that, that's mostly just a milk bone thrown to moveon.org and other yeah. uh, left-wing interest organizations. But Roberts, Roberts is basically getting anointed new chief justice. So get your abortion quick and convert to Christianity. <laughs> Because soon you won't be able to, uh, you'll be burned at the stake for doing, uh, for not being Christian or having an abortion. And Although Roberts has said that uh, Roe v. Wade is uh, the settled law of the land. What the hell kind of an answer is that? Oh, it's the settled law. Yeah, it, it's not an answer. It says, I'm not giving you an answer. It's basically saying, that's the law of the land right now. 
Well, it's, it's uh, what was his name? I'm sorry, I forgot it again. Uh, Schumer? Uh, Chuck uh, Schumer. Schumer. Uh, uh, Senator from New York. Right, who, who was complaining about the fact that he was not getting any answers and said, you know, if we ask you what movies do you like, you would say many people like movies. <laughs> and if we said, well, what do you like about movies? And, and you'd say, or, or which movies do you like? You'd say, well, I like ones with good acting. So, yeah, making a wonderful example of how he is uh, totally evading the questions and everything else. Um, Roberts is charm offensive. Right. Obvious and, wit. Retorted and, with, uh, by the way, Dr. Zhivago in North by Northwest. Oh, the press corps erupts into laughter. He turned off his and mic. Witty. Yeah, he turned off his mic before they could hear him go nanny nanny boo boo. It was childish and stupid. However, it's got more of a punchline. Uh, Fox News' Chris Wallace has decla uh, described Dr. Zhivago as, in quote, a little commie. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, William Crystal, one of the... Bill Crystal. Yeah, Bill Crystal and the neo-con, you know, uh, from gods. The National Re I can never get to the Week Weekly Standard. You, isn't it? What? Conservative manic that he works for. Yeah, we Weekly Standard. Oh, Weekly Standard. Yeah. But he says it's a sapo, excuse me, a sappy liberal movie. Which, well, there's several funny angles to this. First of all, what makes it a liberal movie? Watch the film, see if you can figure out what makes it a liberal movie, because there's nothing except it's a romance, and, you know, conservatives are too manly to care about that. Uh, which, first of all, it's pretty noxious either way, honestly. Uh, but it's always funny to me how conservatives like to hold themselves up as like the manly ones and the ones who understand the real world, and then they're off in la-la land pretending that all these issues don't exist. But more funny than that yeah. is that Boris Pasternak, the uh, author of it, um, wrote it, and, and watching the movie or reading the book, it's quite clear, as an anti-communist tract and was, in fact, persecuted viciously for it in the Soviet Union. Now, neither of these people have ever seen the movie, obviously. Bill Crystal talks about things he doesn't know about all the time, and Chris Wallace is, is a new form of lightweight talking head that really, I mean, the word head seems too descriptive for him. And, and so they're just like, well, it's got a romance in it, and I probably don't like it because Omar Sharif is, is Egyptian. I don't know, but... He's a bit too swarthy. Right, exactly. He, you know, oh, God, they're idiots. I, I, I don't... Wallace would call him a bit too brownish. Right. It's just, how do these people sleep at night? I mean, you would think they would forget, or possibly while sleeping their hearts would stop beating because their brains didn't work. I, it, you know, it's just, it's stunning what they'll say and what they'll try and whatever, and then it's worrisome how many people go, yeah. I, <laughs> I just, ah, I don't know. It, it's... All right, here, I, I feel, what is it, what's, the, what's the line? Am I the only person here taking crazy pills? <laughs> Muddy pills. What? Uh, well, I, I just want to play a little bit of devil's advocate in defense of the Democrats. Um, they knew that Roberts was going to get nominated. They knew that if they rose a stunk about it following uh, Katrina and the widespread disappointment and disaffection with the federal government that it would more than likely, in fact, I can probably guarantee that it would widely backfire and sure that they would appease their base. However, they would turn off a large segment of moderates and independents that they're desperately hoping will vote for them as a rejection of Republicans in 2006. Um, that is the strategy. I, I really don't 
strategy right now is to play defense. Yeah, but they don't even do that very well. Yeah. However, to their credit, they are uh, towing the line and they are refusing to participate in the quote-unquote bipartisan inquiries into uh, the federal government's Katrina response uh, being organized by Dennis Hastert and Bill Frist, the uh, yeah, soon-to-be whitewashing of the government's failures. Uh, Democrats, led by Hillary Clinton, are calling for an independent commission to look into what went wrong, much like the 9-11 commission, the widely respected 9-11 commission. Um, they want an independent inquiry into it. Republicans are refusing, much like they did with the 9-11 uh, inquiry. Uh, they, Republicans want to mount a quote-unquote bipartisan commission to look into it, meaning nothing. Nothing will come of it. Democrats, to their credit, are holding firm and are refusing to participate in it. Uh, so there is some semblance of not necessarily vertebra, but it's like maybe a hint of bone marrow. It's a coccyx. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a coccyx. That's the tail there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hope so. But at the same time, will they push hard enough that it will happen? Um, I think that there is enough public outcry right now, much like there was for the 9-11 Commission, that uh, Republicans will cave. Much how they postponed repealing the estate tax and more than likely will not be able to get that back on the legislative agenda. Um, and of course, Republicans are now bickering and fighting. Uh, some Republicans in the House are even proposing a tax hike, a repeal of some of Bush's tax cuts for the wealthiest 1% to try and fund Katrina yeah. uh, rebuilding. So uh, another uh, unexpected positive development of Katrina and its fallout is a Republican civil war might be on the horizon between the fiscal conservatives and the ideological conservatives and uh, the corporate whores. Right. They sort of play both sides, honestly. They do. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Back to John Roberts. Yes. Um, and again, the, talking about the Democrats, um, granted, caving in. I, I see it as they had no other political recourse considering that they're the minority party. And they could have mounted a filibuster, however, that would have, I think, shattered any gains that they've made against Republicans because Democrats are now polling well above Demo uh, Republicans nationally. And uh, who would you rather vote for in the next congressional election? So they're playing it cautious, as they always do. And who knows? If they give the Republicans enough rope, they might hang themselves with it. They're doing a pretty good job of it right now without Democratic interference. Uh, right side, though, uh, there are a lot of liberal and progressive organizations recruiting people with spine to run in all 50 states. And I think if there is a quote-unquote Democratic revolution next year, I think you're going to see a lot of fighting Democrats come in. Um, I think there is a new breed on the horizon that's being fostered online by the Netroots. Um, I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful about 
about the next I do too. of uh, opposition although, leadership. Although I know that they tend to think that a you know like an awesome fighting Democrat is someone like Barack Obama, yeah. who has nothing. Can you name one thing right. Barack Obama has done? He gave a speech and he's black and kind of you know. Some people think he's charming, though I think he's slimy. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. He doesn't do anything. He just sits around as the uh, favored son for no reason. And it's... Uh, I I'd never liked him. Even his speech was weenie-like. I, yeah. I don't know. I just... There's got to be someone better out there. Chances are the better people, though, are either too honest to get in politics or too smart to actually side with either of the two major parties. Russ Feingold from Wisconsin. Of McCain-Feingold, uh, himself a bit of a maverick in the Democratic Party, uh, has a fairly progressive voting record, is considering a run in 2008. However, he's divorced and a Jew, which means he won't get the nomination. So. Right. Although he's a good guy. <laughs> the guy to look forward to. Right. Hopefully he gets remarried in time. And converts. No, I don't mean that at all. It's just stupid that the the fact that someone has a different religion would matter in any way in what is supposed to be a secular state. You could be a Methodist or a Presbyterian. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Baptist and Southern Baptist. He could be an insane fundamentalist Christian and claim to be a Methodist because his wife is. Oh wait, that's the president. <laughs> I just I have visions of him like talking to a velvet light up painting of Jesus <laughs> I shouldn't drink this well okay oh well whatever you say Jesus <laughs> just mean I have to stop doing blow <laughs> I hate it getting stuck in the fibers of your face oh uh, you had a great tidbit on uh, one of the Bush brood uh, Jeff Bush's son recently no, which is that? Didn't uh, Jeb Bush's son get arrested in Texas? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. That's right. Uh, but, you know, if it isn't one set of Bush offspring, it's another that should be or are getting arrested. I mean, it's the family tradition. Sure. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lineage. That's right. Uh, they've got their own cell set aside in a Nakushi uh, minimum security prison somewhere. <laughs> the Bush wing. You might be a redneck if you're president. <laughs> you might be a redneck if you reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I'd like to go on record as saying I always hated Jeff Foxworthy. I've always thought he was a hack. Oh, and, and Larry the Cable Guy is racist. I'd just like to point that out. Worse than that, he's an unfunny racist. Absolutely. A not funny racist and a and a rich guy who does not is not named Larry is not a cable guy and does not dress like that. He's a multimillionaire posing as a blue collar worker with the most annoying catchphrase since "Where's the beef?" That's right. I'm not, I'm, I will not say. I repeat, those words will not be spoken. Then that's fine. I think our listeners know what it is and are having headaches because it just went through their head already. I, I think that actually, though, if you look at it in another way, 
Maybe he is actually the successor to Andy Kaufman. That, yeah, that's true. This could be some great bit of postmodern performance art. Larry the Cable Guy could be some sort of Harvard-educated, you know, great intellect who's pulling this great, like, uh, scam on the, on the right. great middle section of America. And when he eventually starts wrestling women, people will suddenly stop liking him. But until now... And up to until now, they they think he's great. It's pronounced Rasslin. Rasslin. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go wash my mouth out with soap. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I imagine him strangling women rather than wrestling them. That that's also true. Yeah. <laughs> but God, that guy sucks. Absolutely. Boy, he and, sucks. And speaking of sucks, yeah. as we are getting close to the end, we need to go through things that do not suck. And it if is. any of you by accident managed to hear the end of last week's show, we're going to reiterate it because no one else heard it, and you're lucky. We couldn't even hear it. It kept cutting out. So let's start over. Things that don't suck. Why don't you begin, Gail? Uh, okay, uh, several things that don't suck. First of all, The Brothers Grimm is actually entertaining and funny, and the audience I watched it with really enjoyed it, and I have no idea what the critics' problems were. <laughs> it's also very beautiful to look at. It's not as good as a lot of Gilliam films, but it's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, also, I'm, I watched uh, the, the first season of Lost, and it, it wasn't wonderful, but it was fun, entertaining, and probably the most interesting and surreal thing to hit major network television since they accidentally picked up reruns of The Prisoner 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, and uh, similarly, I'd also like to say that I'm really looking forward to Good Night and Good Luck, the George Clooney directed, I mean, he's actually a good director for those of you who go, uh, go see Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, rent it, it's actually a good movie. But it's a, it's about uh, Edward R. Murrow taking on uh, McCarthy, uh, and it, it looks like it's going to be very good, especially during these days when Anne, I'm fucking insane, Coulter is attempting to revive McCarthy as a, an American hero. So someone needs to take him back there to the one-cell organisms he offends already where he belongs. It's, uh, perhaps if uh, members of our media see the film, they'll perhaps be inspired to do their job. To, to regrow their backbones also. Be a little less lazy. Oh, yeah. Anything else that doesn't suck, yes. Oh, I had other things last week. I don't... Last oh, well, I saw... I saw... Constant Gardener. Oh, that's right. The Constant Gardener. Also very, very good. And, and uh, should be seen by all. Um, and I'm going to add this one that I just, uh, that I'm stealing from Gavin, but The Aristocrats is extremely good and extremely funny. And now I'll let him do that, because that's actually his. <laughs> a guy walks into a talent agency. That's right. Go see the film. Uh, yeah. But... And Bob Saget. Filthy motherfucker. <laughs> And then requesting a video of it to send to them. Uh, but, things that don't suck, uh, we were speaking of the media and how there are very few journalists doing their job, at least in the mainstream. There is one journalist who's been a ray of hope in the fog of CNN and Fox News. His name's Jack Cafferty. He does basically color commentary on the Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer. By the way, a train wreck of a show. Uh, if, you, if you 
journalistic integrity. Watch the Situation Room on CNN. However, it's not just evil like Fox. It's totally incompetent. That's the funny part. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Jack Cafferty, um, he's taken very vocal, outspoken stance against the administration and the response to the hurricane. Uh, he has not abated in this criticism. He's a frequent critic of all politicians who are either corrupt or incompetent. Uh, recently, pounding Tom DeLay. Uh, good guy. I hope that he becomes a larger player in the scene. Uh, to movies. Uh, oh, God, what all other things. Murderball, documentary about quadriplegic rugby. Very, very good. Last Days, Gus Van Sant's new film, fictionalized account of Kurt Cobain's Last Weekend on Earth. Uh, it's uh, got some ass in it, so if you're squeamish about dude ass, be warned. But it's a very good film. Um, Grizzly Man, one of the best documentaries that I've seen in a long time, directed by Werner Herzog, German Madman. Uh, about this guy who lives with grizzly bears for several years and then gets eaten by them. <laughs> that, is, it, it, I would consider, that shows commitment. Yes, yes. Um, this March of the Penguins is being heralded as a, um, you know, a, a standard for the right to carry into the culture wars. Which, by the way, it's not, and it's a very nice film. Yes. the fact we live in a world where that needs to be said out loud. sucks you have way too much time because it's really yeah you may have to walk a block but if you complain about walking a block you probably need to
500, help now. Yeah. They still need, uh, because Hurricane Katrina efforts have virtually bankrupted the Red Cross. They still need money. They still need supplies. If you can't give anything, contact the Red Cross. They are still a credible, reputable organization. Contrary to some news reports on an unnamed network uh, that is not CNN, they do not charge people for services. <laughs> what? That doesn't fit in with the ownership society. That's right. Uh, but yes, uh, while we are smarmy, sarcastic pricks on this show, we, uh, <laughs> we do urge people to help, and we, we do still have faith that there is enough goodwill and decency in the American people to come together and help one another out. But, on that note, a rarely uplifting note, uh, this has been fun to talk to on Lawrence.com. Please visit our website, www.punditocracy.net. Email us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com. 